Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking about how the temptation to spend is getting real. Rachel, as our lives resume some sort of normalcy, the the sirens are calling calling out. They're they're calling us over to the rocks of retail <laughs> and consumption. Give me your credit card information, whether <laughs> online or in person. Uh, it's true. No, this is what this episode is going to be all about. We're talking about spending our money and specifically to make sure that we're doing it wisely. That way, yeah, we don't end up crashing against the rocks of personal finance. And I guess uh, those those rocks or those cliffs would be like. Busted budget, uh, bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> that, that'd be the hardest rock that you could, yeah, you go against. But, yeah. but even just like credit card debt, that that's unintended. The the consequences that are there if you do overspend. And I think, Matt, like there's this particular temptation right now as the economy's reopening and people are getting vaccinated and they want to start spending in a way that's maybe what they were used to ahead of coronavirus but but even more so like an even more ramped up version of spending for a lot of people is kind of what they're being beckoned to do and so you know we want to push back against that and and help all of us to think through okay how do we start to spend money as the economy reopens we're going to talk about that today but before we get to that, Matt, I wanted to let you know, speaking of spending, uh, we're, we're about to do a little bit of work at our house, and it is going to cost money. <laughs> um, but I'm looking for as many ways as possible to make that work cost less money. And so one of the things I found out about from a friend, is, there's this place called Lifecycle in Atlanta. And it's basically this huge warehouse of old like doors, tile, lighting, light fixtures, um, anything really you could imagine. Fireplace mantle pieces, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, look like they came out of like old castles, basically. Ba- bathtubs, yeah. <laughs> vanities. I mean, really, as far as the eye can see, you're looking at pieces of older homes like and or or things that just were never used in the first place some of the stuff is brand new at that place but it's just deeply discounted and so we went this weekend as a family to kind of check it out nice. and man there was a lot of good stuff uh, that that we're totally considering in in particular like with like a, a door you can save so much money buying oh, that yeah. door 
gently used instead of buying it brand new. Um, it's just one of those things like, you know, a lot of towns have a habitat restore and that's a place worth going to. We've got one right around the corner from, from where we live here. But life cycle was like 10 times the size, man. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like the, uh, the Walmart of, <laughs> of like reused stuff in, in our town at least. But it doesn't feel like a Walmart. It no. feels more like an antique store, right? Like I feel like that's the biggest difference between like a life cycle and a habitat uh, restore is like stuff at a habitat restore. It kind of does feel like a Walmart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of subpar products they'll have a bunch of things that are brand new that just are kind of i don't know like lower quality basically whereas like the life cycle builder grade materials maybe. yeah yeah not that builder grade means bad necessarily but i don't know i Basic, guess we, we, we do feel that way <laughs> the, the language we use points to that but uh but yeah like the life cycle i feel like it's it, it's more like an antique store and you can find really cool old stuff and i remember like Kate and I, we went there specifically to look for a wood-burning stove this was a few years ago back when we were first thinking about adding a, a wood-burning stove to our house and we couldn't find one but the reason we knew that they would have them occasionally is because we'd seen them there before so yeah, not sure if where you live you have one of these uh, types of places, but if you do, yeah, definitely a great spot to, uh, to find some high quality used or you know kind of antique pieces of old homes. And you mentioned doors. I mean, that's exactly what like the next time Kate and I go, like we're thinking about maybe swapping out our front door because dude, like our front door kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like it's very clearly from the '90s. It kind of has like cut glass design, and it's a solid door. It's perfectly fine. But it would be really cool if we were able to find one that was made of wood, that was maybe kind of a little more, I don't know, something more original to to our house instead of this uh, this door that was put in, you know, like twenty over twenty years ago. But yeah, you want something that's like a hundred years old, like yeah, that, like that actually like fits the style of the house. Exactly. Yeah, like the whole rest of our house looks very old, except for this weird <laughs> 1990s door. <laughs> exactly. Kind of, kind of modern door. So. Yeah. Well, th- that is the place to look. And man, I saw some light fixtures there that were just incredible. Some of which look like they belong in a ballroom or, or something like nice. that. I mean, just some really cool stuff. So yeah, just hang that up in your bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess I could. People would hit their heads on it. It'd be way too big. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think there are a lot of people who could benefit from shopping in a place like that as opposed to just instinctively going to the big box store yeah. that sells uh, the big box hardware store, right? You're going to save some money. There's going to be less waste involved, and you might find something that you like better too. Oh, yeah. You're way more likely to find something unique there for sure. Uh, let's introduce the beer for this episode. This is actually uh, another non-alcoholic near beer uh, from Right Side Brewing, uh, and this is their Citrus Wheat. Looking forward to enjoying this one and uh, talking about it at the end of the episode. But let's move on to the subject at hand, Matt, today. On the show, we're talking about the temptation to spend. It's getting real. And uh, when we were talking about what this episode would look like, Matt, it made me think about, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that beat themselves up over a purchase that they made that they can't take back. And it's probably not the healthiest thing to do, but it's something I've done before when I've made a purchase and I'm like, I, I go past the return window and now I'm stuck with it, right? Uh, and I, I kind of will rake myself over the coals. I feel like I just got to get, get a couple jabs in so that I remember not to do that in the future. And that's probably not... Like jabs on your own self? Yeah. That's probably not healthy, <laughs> not the best way to approach it, but sometimes that happens, right? And um, over the years, I have become, I would say, a better spender. I think I was a more thoughtless spender when I was younger. And uh, I think we all need a dose of like thoughtfulness when it comes to how we spend. And right now is a crucial time to discuss spending in more detail. There have been stories already talking about how American spending is ramping up. And it's specifically on clothing. That's one of the uh, items people are spending more on their wardrobes these days. And Apparently, economists... after a year, you're yeah. basically like, well, okay, maybe I, I, I shouldn't go out in public with the sweatpants on, right? Right, yeah, because yeah. they're going out in public more, whereas we were holed up in our homes there for a long exactly. time. And economists seem to think that, that, that this could be an early hint of a spending spree unlike anything we've ever seen before, that the floodgates of spending are opening in this country. Um, and, and I think part of it's because of the influx of stimulus money, the economic recovery really being in full swing, and then folks being just a little bit tired of being at home as much as they have been. Spending money might feel like the only sane thing for a lot of folks to do. And I think we're okay with people spending more money, but there are some important things to take into consideration before we just go out there and start spending ad nauseum. Yeah, you know, since there is so much of this pent-up demand, it's, it's going to be easy, to, I think, to fall prey to some poor spending choices. It kind of makes me think of, like, maybe what it must be for, for someone living abroad for a year or two, right? Like, you probably overindulge uh, on cheeseburgers, like, maybe for a <laughs> month or two, like, like once you come back to the States. Uh, for many of us, it 
doesn't feel like we've spent much over the past year. We've essentially been forced into spending less because of COVID lockdowns and the uh, inability to, to eat out at our favorite spots at all, you know, for a while or, or as maybe as frequently as we might have before. But we, again, yeah, we just want to make sure that we're not getting carried away as more of us get vaccinated and, and get back to at least a bit more normalcy than we've been used to. So that's what we're discussing today, how to spend our money more wisely. Yeah, and a lot of Americans are in a decent spot when it comes to the amount of debt that they've been racking up on their credit cards. According to one of the major credit bureaus, Experian, there was a $73 billion decrease in overall credit card debt last year. And a lot of that was due to the pandemic. People were taking extra money they had. They were paying off their credit card debt instead of racking up more. And that means that uh, it was about an average decrease of $879 on the average credit card balance. That's great news for a whole lot of folks. Oh, yeah. But the trick now is to make sure that we don't immediately return to our old ways. It's okay to spend money, but the temptation to spend more than you can afford to or should be spending, right, is going to be real in the coming months. That allure to spend and let that credit card debt hang around just a little bit longer than you planned to let it hang around is going to be real too. You, you can probably justify it as your spending desires increase. So it's important to do what you can to combat those urges, and we've got some ideas on how to do that for you today. Yeah, in that same report by Experian, they talked about the different states who that, that normally carry the highest credit card balances and how they saw the highest percentage of decreased amount of debt on their credit cards, meaning that though those states were carrying large balances, those folks showed an incredible amount of control over their finances when it came to it. You know, And so that just highlights the fact that we do have way more control than I think we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And an important part of this is to question sort of the, the deeper reasons why it is that we're tempted to spend money. You know, like... Ask yourself, do you actually need the thing that you've been pining after? Or maybe you're just bored. Pinpointing the root cause can help you to react you know, differently in the future. Uh, it can remind you maybe that you know the browsing that you're doing uh, or the stuff that you're buying, it's really just an attempt to maybe even just paper over something else that's going on or you know, often being bored or maybe even being sad. And you know, if you are able to recognize those things, those are feelings that you don't need to just <laughs> shove deeper inside that you don't address. This is something you need to talk to your friend or talk to your partner about. We're not fans of retail therapy at all. And we feel that if you were to try to spend your way out of that doldrum, that uh, yeah, you're probably going to find yourself in an even worse position down the road. Yeah. Instead of retail therapy, you can actually spend money to get actual therapy, like yeah. talk to somebody and get some <laughs> the actual real help. thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that, that's going to be a whole lot better for you and a whole, lot, a whole lot better for your budget. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear folks say that it's yeah more affordable to go shopping than it is to go, to go see a counselor. It's like, in reality, I actually think that that would be a wiser decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go and see a counselor, that's go cute. and talk to somebody. And, and yeah, the, the shopping habit can get more expensive <laughs> than seeking professional help. That's yeah. for sure. It's also important too, to remember that there are meaningful trade-offs and other sacrifices that you're making when you do spend haphazardly, it's really tough to see them in the moment when you're blinded by the cool new item. And all you can think is, how much better would things be in my life if I owned that? If I like got on my credit card and made sure that was in my life right now? That's what you're feeling. But the truth is that purchase, if it's done on a whim, is likely not something that will bring much joy or satisfaction in your life over the long run. And it'll actually detract from the bigger and more significant things that not spending that money does for you. That's why it's important to have those bigger money goals identified so that you can look to those as your guiding light when that spending appetite begins to gnaw at you, right? Having a bigger goal helps you see exactly the trade-off that you're making when you make piddly smaller purchases um, because those are eating away at the bigger goal. And it's important to see that in real time. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why it's you know important to make wise purchases. And aside from the financial implications, curbing the massive amount of trash dude in the in the waste you know that we create every single day that's a great reason to avoid uh, falling prey to that spending temptation that we're that we're being faced with dude according to the EPA we create around five pounds of waste every single day which is kind of mind-blowing like five pounds is a lot and two the largest amount of waste that's filling up our landfills is food which is at around 24 percent of, of all that goes to landfills and plastics which is like that second and that's at 18 percent and these are two areas that I feel, you know, again, we have tremendous amount of control over uh, and spending wisely could have a pretty huge impact on the amount of waste in our lives, on the amount of waste that we're, you know, that's getting hauled off to the landfills. Yeah, the less we consume, the less waste we're producing. Right? Literally, the less we consume or think we're going to consume and then just throw in the trash. Like, yeah. like 
we think we're going to eat that food, but instead it just goes to waste. And same, I mean, and just plastics as well. I mean, so much in our lives is just made from plastic, whether it's packaging <laughs> for other stuff that we buy or just, you know, throw away goods that are meant to be you know, obsolete after a year. Yeah, it's a financial and an environmental problem at the same time yeah. that we're basically working to remedy with our actions um, and by avoiding some of the spending temptations that, that pop up. And not only is mindless spending bad for the environment, it's likely just it's not a very good thing for us as individuals as well, right? Overspending at restaurants isn't great for our health. If we opt for a dessert and two drinks on top of our uh, on top of our main course, we're going to not only gain weight, but we're going to spend more money. <laughs> or like the fried foods. For me, it's always the fried foods because like we don't fry food at home, and so like when I look at a menu, I'm always like, okay, what that's is where your eyes? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what what's on the menu here that we never cook at home? Because to me, that's you know that's where the value lies. But it's also not you know it's not good for my arteries. That's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm always going for the French fries. Truth, yeah. And I think too, buying on a whim reduces our own self discipline, and it turns our focus inward as opposed to looking around to others. There's an entire host of reasons why it's bad to impulse spend. So we're going to give some concrete ways to help you curb unwise spending to avoid some of those spending temptations that are going to be cropping up more and more. We'll get to those right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back. Uh, we're talking about how the temptation to spend money, how it's just getting incredibly real these days. And Joel, let's just talk about some of the things that we can do instead of actually spending our money. You know, if you're maybe thinking about making a purchase, we're going to offer up a few different mental tricks, some different tactics here that can help you to avoid those unwise decisions. First of all, one of the things we would suggest, and you were kind of touching on this before the break, but uh, substitute that temptation to spend with a financial goal. If you pause long enough, can you identify something that you would maybe rather do with your money instead of spend it? We challenge you to, to think through like what really you know big and crazy goal could you reach if you opted out of this short-term purchase. And so for you, it might help to run some basic math to see what those unspent funds can turn into if you keep it in your bank account, or maybe even if you invest it instead of spending it, say, maybe on that new watch. And as we say this, if you think that doesn't get me very excited at all, <laughs> like saving money or investing that money and sticking it in the bank, uh, that doesn't get me pumped to do anything, right? I think what we would say then is that you need to think to bigger goals. Like if you don't get excited about like some sort of far off goal that's going to take you multiple years to achieve, I think that means you're not dreaming big enough. Maybe that means you're signed up and you're pursuing somebody else's goal. You know, like you've heard that it's good to save for retirement, but in your mind, anytime you say retirement, you just kind of die a little bit inside. <laughs> like for you, maybe that means that's so far away. Yeah, it feels very far away. And obviously, we've talked about how retirement it just brings a different connotation to it than financial independence. And so maybe it's just semantics. You know, like maybe for you, what that means is instead of saying retirement. I'm saving to become financially independent. I'm saving up to be able to start my own business. It's owning your own time at an earlier age. Yes, yeah. And so just whatever it is, figure out what that is. Like maybe it's travel. It's not retirement. It's the ability to travel around the world and just see lots of amazing things that you've never been able to see up until this point. But dream bigger. Like like identify whatever goals it is that get you excited to avoid some of these smaller, dumber you know, <laughs> purchases in the near term. Certainly there's some things that we have to buy in order to get by, but there's a lot of stuff in our lives that we purchased, you know, like we talked about earlier, because we're kind of feeling bummed out and we're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe if I just get a little hit of that dopamine, uh, it'll lift my spirits a little bit when I know that package is going to show up in the next two days, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I, th I think another, I think another way, Matt, to kind of help curb some of that temptation, some of that desire to just spend right now is to do some spring cleaning of the stuff that you already have. And I feel like nothing actually helps curb spending, like getting rid of a bunch of stuff and realizing that a clean, organized house is a treasure in and of itself. And we've, we have been doing a lot of spring cleaning at our house. Some of the stuff we're able to donate, some of it's just trash that we've been holding on to like li yeah. literally just needs to go in the trash and uh, <laughs> this is literal garbage yes <laughs> why like, am i storing this in my closet broken toys that are just completely worthless like why are we hanging on to this yeah. it's it's broken and it's it's not repairable uh it makes you not want to fill that house back up with new stuff when you go through that exercise so just the act of like tossing some of the stuff out of your home can really curb that desire to spend money because you're like, I just spent all this time getting rid of stuff, making my house kind of feel a little more zen, a little more minimalist, mm. and now- A little more peaceful. A little more peaceful. Yeah. I got some candles lit now, and, <laughs> and it smells good. It's oils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of makes you not want to bring a bunch of, bunch of junk to clutter back up. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about being inspired basically by like a clean and orderly house, but like even too, just thinking about the items that you're getting rid of. Like at some point, you spent money on those things. Right. You know, yeah. like you, you decided that, okay, if I trade my hard earned money for these items, it's going to solve a problem. It's going to make me happier. It's going to make somebody happier. And then by kind of purging and just removing all these things from your life, like you can identify these things. And you, and I think that can be a reminder to keep us from future purchases as well, yeah. right? Like you see these things and you're like, at some point I thought this was going to bring me happiness. <laughs> and now 
I'm selling it for pennies on you know pennies on the dollar, or I'm just giving it away, or just throwing it away. Yeah, uh, I think that can be a good reminder as well to you know as we look forward and look ahead to more purchases in our lives that they may not fulfill us <laughs> in the way that we thought they would. Yeah, and you could I guess while you're doing this, maybe if you remember the price of the thing that you're throwing away, <laughs> write that down. But Ugh, if I just lead, lead to hurt. too much weeping, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and so you know one trick too, like you're talking about kind of cleaning out your house. Uh, to, you know, I think a, a tactic that we can employ to show us how little we need and you know how little you actually use is to just basically turn all your clothes backward on the rack in your closet and only turn them around once you wear them this is a way that a lot of folks recommend you know when it comes to kind of downsizing your closet because then at the end of the year you can give away all the clothes that you don't end up wearing over the past 12 months and so this can be helpful to declutter and remind yourself of just how many things you own that you don't consistently use it's a you know it's a good reminder that most of us don't need new stuff we just want it we want it to kind of fill these different voids that you know truly can't be filled by purchasing more stuff yeah and it's not actually a physical void in your wardrobe it's like a void somewhere inside of us typically that exists. oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's typically our closets don't have the void <laughs> like that's the problem right it's, it's like packed to the gills it's not that i need the extra sweater it's that sweaters tr- I'm, I'm trying to do something inside with my internal of my internal happiness gauge to like ramp that up by buying the sweater it's not that i need another one I feel like in order to start saying that a sweater is going to make you feel good about yourself, you have to be like like grandfather age. <laughs> if you're like, or actually socks, so that, like that's going to be the thing for us once we get older. We're like, I just want a good pair of socks. <laughs> I do like a good pair of socks, and I'm not that old. You and Jacob Goldstein, it's yeah. like one, one of your splurges. That's right. That's right. Um, I think I think another way that you can tackle the temptation to spend more money right now is to. Uh, go the opposite direction and attempt to make some quick money. Uh, selling some of the stuff that you just cleaned out can be kind of like the yin to your spending yang. Uh, earning money from the stuff that you aren't using anymore provides a similar reward in your brain, yet it doesn't have nearly the same harmful side effects. You're, you're making progress and you're making cash. And so it feels awesome. So yeah, we would suggest listing some of that stuff on the Facebook marketplace or eBay and turn your weakness into a new strength. And, and then if you really do need to buy some new things to replace some of the stuff that you're getting rid of, limiting the amount you spend to what you're able to make from selling off some of those old possessions is a great way to restrain consumption and keep your budget intact. Because if you're not actually spending money that you don't have, uh, putting it on the credit card, racking up debt, or even just hurting your budget and, and hurting those long-term goals, even if you have the money on hand, such an awesome way to buy some of those things that you really are prioritizing is to do it with money that you just made from getting rid of other stuff you already had. That's right. Another way that you can avoid the temptation to spend money is instead of actually purchasing an item, look to borrow that item from someone else, right? Uh, I think we have an, an obsession with ownership here in our culture, in our country. Uh, you know, It can be good when it comes to some things like investments, but for the most part, when it comes to, I think, consumer goods, it tends to be a little overrated. And at least one shirt and one pair of pants. Ownership is not overrated. You should have, you should have that. <laughs> Definitely you should have the... At a minimum. That's, that's why it's foundational in the hierarchy of, <laughs> of needs. Uh, but beyond that, it's not necessary. Um, you know, I think we even feel the need to own things that we will only maybe even just use once or twice in our lifetime uh, like folks who would go out there and like buy a set of skis like snow skis and it's like oh yeah like that's not something we ever do yeah. <laughs> but like why do I own these especially things especially when you live in Georgia and you're like oh my gosh uh, how yeah. often do I actually get out to ski right yeah and so it's good because it saves us money right but it also deepens the the relational bond that we have with our neighbors or you know between us and our friends people love helping each other out yeah, I think we underestimate that, Matt, and and I think because our culture it prizes self sufficiency so high so highly, we we feel like we're imposing when we ask a friend if we can borrow something. But I feel like the opposite is actually true, and usually they're glad to lend a hand, and they're glad that the thing that they own is going to get some use because maybe it's been sitting in their shed or you know in, in a storage spot in their house for a long time and it hasn't gotten any use. I uh, I recently borrowed a shovel from a friend because mine broke and dude, he was so happy just, to let me borrow it. You were shoveling too hard, weren't you? I was, man. That's like, <laughs> didn't know my own strength, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then I feel like now it's opened, it's opened this line where, hey, if he needs to borrow anything in the future, he'll call me. There's this reciprocal relationship, right? Where we can borrow stuff from each other and that's just a nice thing to have and and it it goes beyond just me not having to drop the 20 bucks on a shovel right and eventually i'm gonna need my own shovel because the shovel is one of those things that you use quite a bit right yeah yeah. um but it's It's borrowing someone's microwave sort of yeah (laughs) it's like maybe uh, might be good to get one of these you don't want to do that unless i don't know maybe it's a 
if it's like a tuxedo and you never wear a tuxedo and it's that's just, true. yeah, that, that's yeah. the kind of thing you could borrow from somebody, I think. But it's just nice to have friends like that, um, that will lend you something. And it's nice to be a friend like that. That's, that's willing to lend people the things that you have. And, and I think that the more that we live in a society where we can share with each other, like the better the world is, you know, the better we feel about our relationships. That's so true, man. Also, too, a, a way they can avoid some of these unwise purchases is just by factoring in secondary costs before you actually complete that purchase, right? Everything costs more than you think. We've talked about this on the show before. The actual cost of the item that you're buying is almost always going to be more than the price tag that you see on it or you know, or that sale price if it's on sale. Shipping is often free, but you might get charged for some shipping costs. There are often sales taxes and you know maintenance costs. Uh, there may be monthly fees for you know the item, depending on what you're bringing into your life. And also, too, you know, just generally speaking here, don't forget about the Diderot effect, right? And this is the idea that getting something new, it's going to lead to you wanting even more, something even newer to match that new thing. All of your old stuff is going to start looking kind of shabby once you get that one upgrade. It kind of leads to this, this sort of downward spiral of consumption. It's a slippery slope, and that's something that we want you to avoid. Yeah, and I think like one of the best examples of something costing more than you think is let's say you're getting a new set of golf clubs and you know what now you're probably going to want some of the fancier golf balls to go along with it right because <laughs> like the uh the off-brand whatever uh set of golf balls just isn't going to do it with those sweet new titleist clubs or the uh, or the range balls that you stole from the driving range like <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> not going to cut it we know what you did <laughs> and like then you might get the itch to get like fancier golf clothes or to to start playing at nicer courses um I call this the, if you give a mouse a cookie syndrome, right? It's like, he's going to want something else. And then he's going to want something else. And it's going to trigger more and more. And there's truly nothing wrong with doing something like upgrading golf clubs. If this is a purchase that you spent some real time thinking through, and it's a hobby that you're committed to, right? That you do on the regular, but taking those secondary costs into consideration, it might make you think twice. Like even if you are an avid golfer, you might be like, actually, I am going to forego the golf clubs because I do realize it's going to it's going to force me or it's at least going to encourage me to spend money, more money in other areas of that hobby and I'm not I'm just not ready to do that. So I'm going to continue to put that purchase off. But thinking about those secondary costs ahead of time before we make the plunge into a purchase can really help us see how much that one purchase is actually going to cost us as opposed to the the price tag, the initial price tag and that we think it's going to cost us. Yeah, it's it's good to go into those decisions with your eyes open because even some something as basic as like a bike like we're you know we're huge fans of bicycling we're big advocates of everything that you know bicycling is able to bring into your life dude just yesterday i was uh, i replaced the tube in one of the girls bikes because it you know she had a hole in it and so there are going to be basic maintenance costs associated with almost anything you know like there's very few things that we can bring into our lives where it's just like okay that's it we're one and done it's not going to cause me to spend more money it's not going to you know require more spending it's not going to require any maintenance there's a certain amount of you know we're all about maintenance and maintaining the things that we own properly taking care of things but it's just yeah like you said it's good to be aware of the fact that there are going to be oftentimes other expenses associated with those things yeah also, we would recommend for folks to, to turn to exercise instead of shopping as well. You know, we often browse our favorite store online or in person in order to, you know, get that quick and easy dopamine release. Um, dude, a lot of us sit at our computer all day for work. You know, and it's incredibly convenient to open a new tab to start typing things into Amazon. <laughs> and before you know it, you know, you just drop 30 bucks on something that you don't really need. Uh, but it definitely feels good. Instead, we would recommend for folks to look to the harder but healthier option of exercise. And you don't have to run a marathon either. But even just dropping down and you know giving 10, 20 push-ups, that kind of thing, when you maybe start mindlessly shopping online. Maybe be your own drill sergeant in that way. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> grab, your, uh, grab a little kettlebell, do your own swings uh, like I do. Sometimes it can just be the mental release that your brain is looking for. Not necessarily that you need something new, but just you, yeah, you're kind of looking for a distraction. Go for the healthier distraction. Yeah, it can divert your brain from the thing that you want to do right now which is buy something, uh, and that's the thing you shouldn't be doing in all likelihood. And then it can get your blood pumping, and it, it could get you energized to do something else, right? To tackle the next you know, work assignment or whatever it may be. Uh, also, too, there are times when it does make sense to spend some money, when we do want to spend. And that's okay, too, right? We're not anti-spending. You know, we wanted to give some ideas and some thoughts for how you can avoid spending money avoid some of that temptation as the temptation is going to increase. But we've also got some tips for when you're going to spend, how to spend mindfully, and we'll get to those right after this break. 
Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. And so, you know, like we said before the break, we were talking about ways to avoid spending money altogether. But at a certain point, you got to buy something. Like there are some things uh, that require spending money. And so if you're going to do that, you know, there's, you know, like we said earlier too, there's no amount of exercise that's going to be able to distract you (laughs) from buying something that you need. And that's okay. But let's talk about how to spend wisely, uh, in particular, as the economy is reopening. It seems like it's starting to fire on all cylinders. And so we want to make sure that we're not being quickly parted with all of our money without even realizing it. Yeah. And so the first thing we'd recommend for folks to do is look to make your purchases secondhand. Sites like eBay, that's a great place to shop. Uh, instead of always looking to, to buy something new, consider buying something slightly used. You know, that someone else is, is selling for way less money than buying it brand stinking new. It's like buying a car, man. And it's like, 
take somebody's gently used car because cars run for forever and you're going to save a ton of money and the car's still going to be really nice if you buy it four or five years old as opposed to getting the brand new one, right? Like thrift stores also are another great place to get secondhand goods. And Matt, we've talked about shopgoodwill.com is a cool site to go to, to find awesome thrift store stuff. It's great. Yeah. and But making a real attempt to find what you're looking for that someone else has gently used is going to save you money and it works as a natural hindrance to spending frivolously. Sometimes there's, there's just like a little more friction to finding that used item that makes sense in your life. And, and that's actually good, I think, in the spending process. You want a little bit of friction. Sometimes the easy click to buy is, is the thing that's going to get us in the most trouble. And Matt, even life cycle, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, buying home goods used is a good way. You got to kind of search for the thing that you want. You're going to save money though. It's going to take a little bit longer, but ultimately it's going to work out in your favor. That's right, dude. And yeah, before you make that purchase on you know whatever default site you tend to you tend to favor, we'd recommend for you to check the deal sites out there as well. Like when there's something that you know that you want, make sure that you check out some of these other sites like DealNews.com. Also, Slick Deals is a good one as well. You can install Honey. Uh, that is actually a great ex- uh, browser extension, which which can help you to find the things that you're looking for cheaper on other sites, or even make you aware of, of coupon codes that you wouldn't have otherwise known about, and that'll slash the price of that item. But for the most part, this approach only works when you know that there's something that you need, you know, because otherwise, not shopping sales <laughs> might be your best bet because you know when you see those 75% off tags and you know it's all it's written in bold red letters, it can draw your eye and it can be a major temptation uh, for folks to spend when maybe like otherwise you shouldn't. Yeah, man, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with some of the deal sites. I I, uh, I used to be more into them than I am, but I still check them out. You still like them. I, I, yeah. I see you over there. <laughs> I still check them out more than I should. And sometimes that can be kind of a temptation uh, for me is, is to like, oh, cool. Well, that thing's so cheap. Maybe I should get it. So the deal sites, I think you're right. I think if we use them correctly, if we use them to try to find an item that we're looking for, that we know we want to buy uh, and that we're ready to buy, we can find a better deal. But if we're just browsing like I sometimes tend to use them for guilty I'll admit it well I would say it is good to know that the deals are out there if you know that there's something you're going to purchase like you said it's good to be aware of the best price Uh, I feel like you're really good at knowing that like okay yeah this should cost about this much and the reason you know that is because you've seen it on sale (laughs) like on these different sites like this that kind of aggregate the best deals but yeah you also do want to make sure that you're aware that the the temptation that that's putting in your life it's like my greatest strength is also my greatest weakness (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, I, I think another thing people can do in order to spend wisely when they are buying something is to institute the 48-hour rule. We've talked about this before, but but having a period of time that you institute before you purchase something new is crucial to preventing just impulse buying. Uh, so go ahead, put the item in your shopping cart, and if you still want it two days later and you don't have to go into debt in order to get it, that's key here, then it's okay to complete that purchase. That'll help curb some of the just mindless spending, some of the spending that we're doing just because we can or because it's fun. The 48-hour rule can be just really helpful in weeding out some of those purchases that we make that are the most unhelpful you know, to our budgets. Not to mention, too, if you, you know, you've you added that to your cart and they've got your email address, sometimes they'll, they'll check in with you uh, after oh. a couple of days and sometimes they'll, they'll send you a coupon. They're like, hey, is this, is this item yours? Did you, you know, leave your cart stranded? Here's 10%. Help sweeten the deal a little that's bit. True. So yeah. that's a, a nice little incentive. Uh, also, too, we would recommend for folks to consider the cost per use uh, when you're thinking about making a purchase. If you, you know, maybe you're naturally a, a frugal tightwad, <laughs> like like we tend to be. Uh, I think sometimes it can be difficult, you know, in allowing yourself to spend any money at all, like even on the things that we uh, that we value or things that bring us joy. And so, an alternative way to consider a purchase is to think through maybe how regularly you might use something, right? And so if it's something that you'd use on a regular basis, it might make sense, you know, to, to purchase that item and, and not only to purchase it, but even consider maybe like the slightly higher quality item. Because if we're, you know, if we're always just trying to spend the least amount of money possible, that's one of the ways that we can unfortunately end up being cheap <laughs> as opposed to frugal. We're thinking, oh, this is something I know is going to bring me a lot of joy. I'm just going to get it the cheapest thing possible. And then, you know, it ends up crapping out after a few months. And then we have to buy something again, again, leading to more waste. And plus, often having to buy something twice is going to be more expensive than having spent a little bit more on that higher quality item to begin with. Yeah, that's. A, I'm also a recovering, spend the least amount of money on stuff as possible person. And I'm all about now spending a little bit more money and getting something that's going to last for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you, you got to like test the waters though. You know, like if you've never owned a grill, you're kind of like, hmm, let's, I want to figure this out. And you buy like the cheapest, you know, I don't know. 
$50 grill that they sell at Lowe's <laughs> or Home Depot. I think I got my grill at Aldi, actually. Oh, so. did you really? Yeah. yeah. Flight or, th- or from Aldi, because <laughs> I'm sure that was pretty un- affordable. But then, you know, if you realize that, say, like, oh, I'm, I'm really into grilling or like, oh, what else can I cook outside? Then you start thinking, okay, like this is bringing me a lot of joy. There's a lot of utility. It's something we use often. And that's when I think it can be totally worth it to spend a little bit more money. Yeah, Matt, I think too, when we're spending, when the temptation to spend arises, having some sort of pressure relief valve for your spending can be helpful too. You might just have an urge to go shopping or to just spend some money, any money. <laughs> you just want to spend some money. I know people like this. My, <laughs> my mom probably falls in this category, man. And, and, and more than anything, like she loves even just window shopping, but she loves shopping. It's something that she gets a lot of, a lot of joy out of. She, I think it's, um, it's, there's something creative in kind of mm. seeing all the items for sale that, that she likes. She likes seeing design and in particular like home interior stuff. Right. And, uh, and to potentially avoid a larger, more disastrous purchase though, maybe you can scratch that itch just a little bit with a small splurge, like a nice coffee, right? I feel like fancy coffee gets uh, raked over the coals in personal finance all the time. It's a bad rap for but, sure. But that can be the perfect like a pressure relief valve for your spending. You're like, I just treated myself to something really nice, but actually it didn't really cost that much money. It's better to make a small spending mistake than to make a big one. So yeah, finding your small release valve can be big and really helpful when it comes to smart spending. Yeah, especially if you're able to maybe go on a walk when you get that coffee. Essentially, what you've done there is you've kind of uh, transformed that purchase like that you might just see as a good into an experience. And, and so that's kind of what we'd recommend next for folks is to, you know, we would recommend for folks to consider prioritizing experiences over stuff that you might, you know, buy online or, you know, even at the store. And oftentimes, too, folks think about travel, uh, but it doesn't have to, to, to be travel, you know, as we talk about experiences here, although that is a big experience that, that many folks do prioritize. But, you know, experiences like this could be just, say, a dinner out with friends or it could be buying a membership to the zoo or like the botanical gardens if you've got them there where you live. Uh, and these could provide recurring experiences you know, for you or for your family or for you and your friends. Yeah, research shows that an intangible experience can often bring you joy for you know much longer than a physical object. So, focusing uh, your spending on some of those experiences that can provide incredible memories with folks you know who you love the most is often going to provide a much better uh, return on your investment than buying just another item, say for your wardrobe that you're then going to have to kind of shoehorn in your closet because you don't have any more space at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and two, I think. What's great about experiences is that they they foster um, an ability to bond with other people too, right? Experiences are helping us build relationships almost always um, as opposed to buying stuff, which often does the opposite. And so, yeah, I guess I was talking earlier, Matt, about borrowing stuff from other people and then letting other people borrow your stuff and how that expands your relationships and makes them better. Well, I think the same thing is true when we prioritize experiences over stuff. It's, it's during those social experiences that we cultivate feelings of connection and belonging to one another. And those experiences are, are oftentimes unique to us as individuals, which means that we're, we're typically less likely to compare our own experiences to the experiences of others. And comparison, as you know, Matt, is, is one of the things that lends to our consumption. It leads us to spend more and to spend unwisely. So if instead of experiences, you're focusing on stuff like electronics, clothing, or even something great like bikes, it can be easier to compare that stuff to other people. And Teddy Roosevelt, one of the best quotes ever is, comparison is the thief of joy. I think that's so true for us. I think that's one of the things that like social media has done to us as a culture in a lot of ways. It has made it easier to compare. And it has made it harder for us then as individuals to be content with what we do have. So true, dude. Yeah. And so, you know, as many of us are looking forward to our, our lives looking more like they did before uh, 2020, <laughs> let's make sure that our spending doesn't automatically revert to uh, pre-pandemic levels as well. One of the few positives that the pandemic brought into our lives was the ability to, to truly see how much control we really do have over our spending. So look at how much debt, you know, you were able to eliminate from your life last year or, or how much were you able to save up for that down payment, you know, on a house. Remember those goals and continue to, to work towards the things that you value, even while there are other expenses and distractions that are getting reintroduced into our lives right now. 
yeah, the temptation to spend is real. And we want to make sure you avoid it. We want to avoid it. You know, the, the, the temptation is real for all of us. And so we have to implement you know, some of these things as many as we can in order to curb that spending so that we can realize those bigger goals that we have so that we can build wealth for the long haul so that we can have the ability to reach financial independence and make our own decisions about what we want to do with our time. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on the show. This one was uh, by Right Side Brewing. It's a citrus wheat, non-alcoholic beer. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, you know, before I comment on this particular beer from Right Side, it, it also makes me think of Mr. Brightside, the uh, classic the song, song from the from the Killers. Yeah. Such a good song. It is, it is a good song. <laughs> uh, but as far as this beer goes, man, yeah, this is a citrus wheat, and I feel like the citrus really does come through. Uh, it almost it like almost reminds me of uh, like an orange Gatorade. I don't know, like a combination of the orange and yellow Gatorade. Oh, uh, yeah, more the yellow. You know I what I'm talking yeah, about? But I do like the yellow Gatorade <laughs> and the orange Gatorade. <laughs> it's got those flavors going on, but it, does, you know, it doesn't have that sweetness. It's not nearly is obviously it's not nearly as syrupy uh, but it does kind of have those flavors it, it almost has this herbal tea like flavor going on but of course it's fizzy so yeah it's reminiscent of beer it's near beer uh, obviously there's definitely something missing <laughs> but totally still enjoyable yeah what were your thoughts on it dude yeah i thought it was too and i was surprised because i agree it was missing a little something that i'm used to getting in beer but i still i still thought it tasted great man and i think it's awesome that people are now making you know non-alcoholic craft beer equivalents mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people out there who just don't want to drink for a lot of good reasons. Yeah. And so to be able to enjoy something and get some of that same flavor profile and sensation that you get with craft beer, but without actually having to consume alcohol, well, this is just a great place for people to go, I think, is is these non-alcoholic uh, craft beers. And the this citrus wheat from Right Side was pretty solid, man. I agree, man. So that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. Yeah, and if you haven't left a review for How to Money yet on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, what are you doing? We would <laughs> love for you to leave a kind review over there. It really does help get the word out about what we're doing here on How to Money to help other people spend wisely, to save for their futures, and to be more empowered when it comes to their personal finances. And we would appreciate you letting other people know what you think about the show. So, all right, Matt, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.